Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road in Warren County, New Jersey. Hopefully, the sound of my voice has things going well in your life and in your farm operation if you are farming or ranching. It's a beautiful day over here on Cat Swamp Road, a gorgeous day, and my cover crop is doing beautifully, thank God, but <laughs> so did my sweet corn crop until a hail hit, right? So uh, who knows? I mean, that's, uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's like uh, go, going to, years ago, I remember I got involved with, I did not build it, but I got involved with designing it and did it for a magazine story. It was, I, I won't mention any names, for no particular reason, because I don't know who listens to the show. And uh, they, a friend of mine had an engine, has it, or had an engine shop, I don't believe he still does anymore. Sadly, we kind of drifted apart, and I think this engine had something to do with it, even though it wasn't on my part. But anyway, so he, ra- he had a uh, top dragster that he ran with a friend of his. And then I was doing a lot of work for a, a drag race magazine, and I, and it's uh, it's ridiculous because I don't even remember. I, there were two magazines, and one was called Drag Racer, and one was called Drag Racing, which was stupid on their part because the public got both of them confused, and the covers almost looked the same, and the the font of the title almost looked the same. So, um, so I don't remember. I did work for both of them, but I did work more work for one of them. In the end, what I'm going to the story I'm going to tell you about is from uh, from. The, the magazine I did work for, we did an engine build. And it was a, uh, I forgot how big it was. It was a big block Chevy based engine. And uh, I don't know, maybe a 568 or something like that. It wasn't six, it wasn't, it was under 600 cubic inches in the, for the top drag stuff. And well, basically in essence, so I don't go off too far on a tangent here, that we wanted to, we wanted to build it using a conventional port cylinder head so a conventional port head like a big block chevy would have versus a you know versus a symmetrical port head so it would be asymmetrical and um so we did that and uh, it, it worked out fantastically i mean the thing made i think it was a single four barrel carburetor on a a uh a cast aluminum intake manifold granted the manifold had a ton of work we sent it down to wilson in florida ton of work ton of work in the heads it was dart heads dart block and i may have even told you a story before but uh what had happened was that the the magazine editor i was doing and it was gonna be a multi-part story it was called conventional wisdom and i tried to look it up on the internet and i couldn't find it but uh anyway it was really, it was a good, it was three or four parts and the car ran, the car went into the sixes. I mean, it was, it was everything was fantastic <laughs> until um, we, we, we dynoed it on, on Q16. I think it made 11.55 or 11.40, something, I don't remember. So uh, horsepower that was. Single four barrel conventional port cylinder head and um, the car went six something, I think. It was well into the sixes, maybe six seventies or six eighties. It was a it was a drag, so it was a rail in top sportsman, I think two some two hundred something that ran. But anyway, I don't remember anymore too many cars. So to make a long story short, we go into the burnout box with it. We already we went to the track the second time, so already set a personal best record, set a record with it. That was all good for the magazine story. Going to the burnout box with it, and John does a burnout with it, and all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Bang, bang. and then uh 
the crankshaft broken. The point that I was getting at, what I was saying with my cover crop, my sweet corn crop was the same way. So the magazine editor wanted us to deal with this one crankshaft company. And yeah, granted for a magazine build, you get all the parts for free, but you're doing all the labor and uh the labor the parts are nothing compared to the labor i mean we had a jessel valve train on it that didn't fit i mean nothing fit so so anyway uh i'm not laughing but the crank broke in the burnout box and they they had said oh this crank is you know this crank is good for 1500 horsepower well we were on 1500 maybe 1100 and the crank broke but thank god it all believe it or not usually it'll come out through the oil pan and it stayed everything stayed in the in the block i mean destroyed the cylinder heads from up underneath this even destroyed the valve train but it all stayed in so i wasn't there at the track when it blew up it blew up at atco in south jersey and um, they told everybody the converter broke so uh, which is the topic of today's show talk converters but so why i'm telling you that story is that hey my corn crop looked beautiful until the hail came uh my cover crop looks beautiful so i don't know what's going to happen next to that and uh, the engine ran beautifully until the crankshaft broke right and uh, and destroyed everything inside that was a shame a 30 or 40 thousand dollar motor completely com- everything was junk i mean the only good thing about it is that it didn't puke out outside and they, they pushed it on the trailer and told everybody the torque converter broke so uh hey what are you gonna do but uh that is life that's racing that's farming i guess that's life that's life in general but what i want to do is i need to give a shout out because i have another pin in my map and this pin is in las vegas nevada now for full disclosure i noticed i know this gentleman since high school actually well yeah right we met right in high school actually right after high school because he was a year behind me but met him in high school he's my best friend and he listens to idle chatter and i never gave him a shout out because the rule is even if i know you if you don't want a shout out i gotta put a pin in my map i'm not just gonna go arbitrarily and stick pins all over for everybody i know so that is my my best buddy gene worst and he's out in las vegas and he's the uh he, he works for tsa in the airport there in las vegas actually he's been in reno on assignment for many months now but uh, just went skydiving the other day sent me pictures so uh, that's something that i would want to do but will never do because i'm too uncoordinated but to give a shout out to gene a big cat swamp road shout out to gene worst and he's the quintessential car guy he has a firebird 89 firebird formula firebird that he bought new actually out here in, in hackettstown i saw it before he did and that's got a long rod 355 we converted to a six-speed man the car looks stock on the outside even as a stock wheels but the, the thing is killer and it's it's got a roll but it's really a nice car and it's it's all original and he's kept it indoors so the paint is beautiful it's not your typical uh, third generation f body that everything fell apart on or fell off of uh so he has that and he has a um a mustang gt that he bought new at 2008 i think it's at 18 and 19 uh he did buy it new and that's totally i didn't get involved with that whatsoever then he went from being a drag racer to a road racer and he's got that uh, basically predominantly suspension work and a little bit i think he has a tuner in the engine maybe an air intake kit 
but they have like almost 500 horsepower from the factory so you really don't need any more and he has that and then he has a fiesta st that he drives every day as his daily driver and also he has oh i forgot because I've, I've seen pictures of it, but i haven't been out there to see it and he has a um a boss and a boss 302 i think it's a 2012 or 2013 so forgive me gene you have so many cars i can't keep them straight especially when you don't see them so i never saw the two mustangs or the fiesta i only know the firebird because i worked on the firebird so a big cat swamp road shout out to you and i thank you for a pin in my map in las vegas and i'd like to put a lot of pins in las vegas so if you're out there listening just give just send me an email at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com and you will get a pin in the map with your name on you could tell me a little bit about you you could tell me as much about you as you want no problems whatsoever i gotta see if i disconnected this phone i don't think i did hold on no i did i did disconnected it so uh so that is it and now today what we're going to do is also we're going to be talking about talking about torque converters so we're going to get into that today because uh you know torque converter i might as well get into it right now the uh and oh before i get into the into that we're going to have a special special delivery letter today and the special the special and what's special about it it did not come to me through my hot rod farmer email address it came to me through the column that i write for hemmings uh muscle machines magazine called as gray and i've written that for oh god i don't know probably longer than i care to remember well it, well first of all i started to write for hemmings in 1998 and uh so i was a young man no gray hair and they had a they had a magazine uh well actually they they had they had a magazine that rich lentinello started and i worked for rich lentinello when he was over at high performance pontiac and gm high tech performance and he moved with his family to vermont and got a job at hemmings and they i think he called it hemmings uh, something like uh, rods and customs or something to that effect and uh i started to do my ask i started a column called ask ray in there and then what happened is a few years later that magazine morphed changed its direction slightly and became hemming's muscle machines under still under the leadership of richard lentinello and then the ask ray column got moved from that so it was called ask ray it wasn't rods and customs i forgot what it was called it was almost the same format but a little bit different it was more refined with the uh, hemmings muscle machines and that still exists today and i still do my column so that's probably been like i said since 19 i got married in 99 i wasn't married so <clears throat> so since then and uh rich lentinello is no longer at hemmings and he is uh started a magazine called crankshaft so you could look that up on the internet it's a gorgeous gorgeous magazine it's one of these very high-end eclectic car magazine does a beautiful job with it, and i contribute to that to crankshaft magazine but anyway this letter came to me through hemmings muscle machines through my ass gray collar and it's from mr bob hunt and uh, why i chose to answer it is that number one is that he needed an answer very quickly because i guess he wants to get this car back on the road which i don't blame him i don't know where he lives and then also uh and you know when i put something in a magazine is an inherent three to four month lag time before it even runs and sometimes it doesn't even run because i send my column into the editor and then they go they lay out the 
lay it out based upon space. So sometimes they answer letters for them, and they, they, they the people never even get the answer, which is sad. But anyway, um, and I felt that even though it's for about a 1969 Mercury cyclone, but what the problem that he's having having with it could be the same thing with an old farm truck, an old irrigation engine, or an old farm track, the gasoline farm track. So that's why I am going to answer that in respect to him, that he can get an answer right away. And then I feel it'll be of value to, uh, to, the, to the audience. All right. So that is that. And then we'll have a toolbox test question <clears throat> and we'll close the show. So let's start to talk about. Let's start to talk about torque converters, right? When I had my shop was Precise Automotive, you know, people, there's a saying in the car industry, people buy horsepower, but they drive torque. So I I used to build a lot of torque-biased engines to make a lot of torque, because specifically on a street strip car or a street car, you're going to drive the torque. You're not going to feel the horsepower. You're going to drive the torque. So I used to have my, my, my slogan on my business card was, we torque torque. So today we're going to be not talking torque, we're going to be talking torque converters. Now, if any of you have listened to my road test podcasts under Idle Chatter, you notice that uh, you, you'll pay it, if you paid attention, you'll probably say, this guy, the hot rod farmer, he's a nut. Because I guarantee you probably never listened to or read a road test and the road test articles are on my website where the road tester talks about the torque converter. And... Uh, and in, in my road test, I make specific mention of the torque converter because the torque converter, specifically to my audience, which is an agrarian audience or people who are you know, doing trucking or farming or ranching or using a truck for work, or even if they're using a truck to, to tow a, a toy hauler, but specifically for work like on the farm, grain cart, what have you, cattle, uh, fertilizer right so fertilizer buggy is that the torque converter is really going to make or break that drivetrain and specifically and specifically right when you're like trying to pull a load away move a load it, uh, something is stuck in the mud or something is a piece of equipment is stuck you're trying to tow it out all right or uh, you're trying you want to hook up a trailer and you need very 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 finite and accurate control of the vehicle in this particular instance, I'm talking about a pickup truck, right, or something of that nature, or a flatbed, or a dually, right? So, but it makes a difference even with a car. But when you just drive a car, so for instance, if you have a car that you drive just to whatever, to go to town or your wife's car, what have you, the torque converter is going to be paramount to how that vehicle drives but it's really not going to be as glaring as a vehicle that's used on the farm it's going to be used for for towing or for doing work or you're trying to edge up on something so that's why i always bring up about the torque converter and the other thing basically you don't think i'm a hundred percent crazy only 99 percent crazy right is that um is that the you know that there's so much engineering in the torque converter especially today there's so much engineering in the torque converter. there's always was engineering in the torque converter but but today the, the torque converters are so highly refined and they became a cornerstone of the drivetrain they were always a key component obviously on an automatic transmission but it really really became the cornerstone as far as once the industry really start to look for fuel efficiency look for smaller engines uh have um eight nine ten speed transmissions 
have uh, low numerical axle ratios, so that so the torque converter really became very glaring. Well, I shouldn't say glaring; became came to to front of the stage. All right, as far as the making a whole package come together and work, and specifically if you have a smaller engine, or even if you go to the other side. If you have a high torque engine, let's say you have a diesel pickup truck on your farm. Excuse me, diesel pickup truck, and uh, whether it's a be a Cummins in a Ram or a Ford Power Stroke or a Duramax or anything else like that, that you know the engine makes torque, but the con- torque converter is really the connection. So it's like the seed to soil contact when you're planting a crop so the and the seed bed so the torque converter is really going to define how good that engine works and how good that engine pulls and how it responds yes it's going to be cumulative of the axle ratio the amount of torque the engine makes and what have you so that's why i felt that be it's a good idea for us to talk torque converter basics we're not going to go into it uh in too much detail because this is a podcast and really to do something with torque converters and a lot of things that i try to do here could would come out so much better if there was a visual if i was in a classroom and you were my students then you were my students uh listening to me um or what you know participating in the classroom where you could have some visuals but anyway so let's talk torque converters so in essence 17 minutes into the show not good so in essence what is the purpose of a torque converter a t- purpose of a torque converter serves twofold the main purpose is to be able to connect an automatic transmission to an engine and to allow that vehicle or tractor or whatever it may be to uh, to come and uh, come to a stop and have your foot on the brake and not stall the engine. So obviously anybody that has any exposure, even the minimum, no, hardly any exposure knows that with a manual transmission, that you cannot come to a stoplight and put your foot on the brake and have the engine still running and not stall the vehicle. But with a automatic transmission, a torque converter, you can. Now, as an aside to that, but I don't want to go off on a tangent, is that a lot of vehicles today have a um, what's called a dual clutch transmission. Matter of fact, my Ford Fiesta has a dual clutch transmission. So that to the average person getting into it, getting behind the wheel, is a shifter like an automatic transmission. It only has gas and a brake pedal, has no clutch. But what that does is that it enables a manual transmission to respond like an automatic, so it self-shifts. It uses solenoids, electric solenoids, and it's moving forks, where an automatic transmission uses hydraulics to shift gears, to change gears in the planetary. And with the dual clutch transmission, you could drive that and come to a stop sign or stoplight and put your foot on the brake and the car does not stall, it does nothing wrong. That's because it's disconnecting the clutch. But on a torque converter, on an automatic transmission, is that the torque converter allows you to, allows the vehicle to come to a halt in the drive gear and in a motion gear be forward or reverse and not stall the engine because it has it slips internally it's a fluid coupling now if we're going to go back but then like i said just give a little bit of a lineage here before there was a torque converter there was something called a fluid coupling or fluid drive and the difference between a fluid drive is that it had one element missing from the torque converter there was no stator so so a torque converter 
actually has an impeller, a stator, and a turbine. And in simplistic sense, what's happening is that the um, <clears throat> the stator and the turbine spin in opposite directions. So just like a turbocharger, right? You have a turbocharger that the compressor wheel is on the same shaft as the as the turbine wheel, and the comp- and the turbine wheel is driven by the exhaust, and the compressor wheel is is what compresses the air, and they they're on the same shaft, but the fins on it are facing the other way. So it's, so they the rotationally they're turning the same direction, but the the movement of the air is different. The same thing is happening inside a torque converter. So there's three elements: is the impeller, there's the st- stator, and the turbine, and then probably for the past. 40 years but across the board probably for 35 years is this what's called a lockup clutch mechanism so in essence when we start to talk about torque converters now let me back up because i went off on a tangent on my own is that years ago and a lot of farm tractors have it they sometimes well it's not really a torque amplifier but a torque amplifier is a little bit different than a torque converter it's not as refined but we'll just talk about a fluid drive and then the fluid drive basically did not have a stator. So a fluid drive allowed, and, and back in the 50s and into the early 60s, there was, there was some fluid drive transmission. So it had the same characteristics of an automatic that you could come to a stop sign and you could put the just step on a brake and the engine would keep idling because it would have a slippage, but it would not multiply the torque that the engine is producing and keep in mind that the torque converter does not multiply the torque throughout the whole speed range and uh if i have some time i will get into that a little bit but the, what i want to give to you today is the important elements of what you need to know about a torque converter and why i'm saying that is that for instance let's say when i take have a road test of a new pickup truck and I make mention in my road test of the torque converter. Well, that's a brand new vehicle. If, you, if you're blessed and you go to town and you're buying a new pickup truck for your farm or to use or whatever it may be, all right, you're not going to go change the torque converter. All right. I mean, well, let me put it this way. I'm not going to say there's 99.9% chance you're not going to change the torque converter. Well, if you're modifying the truck, you may change the torque converter. But what happens is that you have, and farmers... <clears throat> are famous for this and i'm just as guilty right of um that is we keep old we 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 repurpose equipment so you bought a new pickup truck let's say in 1992 and now that pickup truck has been replaced all right uh and uh you replaced every 10 years so you have a a 92 you have a, a, a 2002 a 2012 maybe a 2000 whatever whatever it may be it'd be 30 years so three pickup trucks but now you still have that one floating around because oh that's good to do this it's good to do that it's still good so the thing is that so as the vehicle gets older and gets mileage on it and gets use on and gets just the 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 demon of time on it that lots of times it becomes repurposed and the transmission may fail and if the and and i I don't want to, I guess you could use the word failed. I mean, unless the planetary blows up on it. I mean, if the clutches wear out and it starts to leak and it starts to slip, that really to me is not considered failed. That's to me, it's considered just worn out. But if something actually blows up and breaks on it, then obviously it failed. But anyway, so it's commonplace 
with an old, and it may only be a seven or eight year old vehicle that you're keeping on the farm. So it's going to be 2022s are out. So a seven, so maybe a 2016 or 2014 or something. So it's not that old. And the transmission goes, and you decide to make an investment to fix this vehicle because it's still good. You're going to put a couple of thousand dollars into it. You're going to fix the transmission. Then oftentimes what happens is that the transmission shop will end up when they rebuild the transmission or change the torque converter. And they'll claim that they're putting a rebuilt torque converter in it. And that's, uh, we don't know what the heck they mean by rebuilt. I don't think they know either. Because it depends upon who's doing it. So now it's important for you to understand the torque converter because oftentimes what will happen is you spend two or $3,000 to get this transmission rebuilt and the vehicle, the, the pickup truck doesn't run the same, it doesn't have the same performance, it doesn't get the same gas mileage, it doesn't feel the same, or also could have a vibration, what we would call in engineering, a harmonic in it. So, so now you spent all this money and the, and the truck actually was better before the transmission went. And historically, that's usually because of the torque converter. So that is why I'm going to discuss this because and give you some helpful hints at the end or what I think are helpful hints at the end of this show. Now, <clears throat> in essence, you can't talk. Now, the torque converter is going to bolt to the flex plate. Now, a a um, for the most part, and you can never say never because somebody says, oh, well, geez, in 1973, Cummins was big, whatever, NTC 400, I think the head was in 73, had a torque converter. So, uh Anyway, for the most part, when an engine is mounted to an automatic transmission, a fully automatic transmission, not talking dual clutch, we're talking traditional put-in-drive automatic transmission with torque converter, is that it'll have a flex plate, not a flywheel. A flywheel is the domain of a clutch, whereas a flex plate is the domain of a of a torque converter. So the torque converter, so the flywheel, I mean the flex plate will, will bolt to the back of the crankshaft and then the torque converter will will actually connect to the flex plate. And then yes, I know for the Mopar guys out there years ago, the Mopars had the ring gear on the torque converter. So like I said, there's always exceptions. So the flex plate and torque converter were one, whereas when you had the Ford and the GM, they had the torque converter and the flex plate separately. But the dynamics of what we're talking about is going to be the same so so what i want to do is you can't have a discussion about torque converters without talk without without bringing up stall speed and in my road test podcast that's really what i was talking about is that i like the way the converter responded the throttle input that i would say it was linear it was this it was that and in essence because the torque converter slips internally because of the fluid is actually shearing as it's slipping is that it allows the engine not to stall but the response of the torque converter so in essence how that converter responds to throttle input specifically like i would say in my road test when you're trying to back up and hook up to a trailer so you want to um you know if anybody has a gear drive tractor <clears throat> excuse me a gear drive tractor versus a hydrostatic tractor so my farm tractor my new holland is a gear drive and i specifically bought a gear drive i wanted a gear drive uh, i felt it was more reliable it was uh whatever i grew up with gear drive tractors but but you know if i if i'm going to be backing up and it's got a nine speed transmission but let's say if i'm going to be backing up to hook up something on a three-point hitch 
you know, you can't help but ride the clutch because even if I put it in a low range reverse, the slowest idle, the, you know, just have it at idle speed, all right? And you, you, you're going to ride the clutch. You're going to slip the clutch to, to get to, to, to line up or, or line up a hitch pin or something like that. You're going to slip the clutch. Or when I has a quick attached bucket where I'm taking the bucket on and off, like I say, you're going to be riding the clutch, which means over time, you're going to have to replace that clutch. And then the clutch also is going to be when it's slipping is going to be building heat into the flywheel and it's not only going to wear but it's going to have it's going to have the potential of putting heat spots and warp the flywheel and what have you so in essence what the stall speed of a converter is is well is defined as the maximum rpm that the uh, <clears throat> that will be allowed with with that let me let me let me put this more succinctly because i don't even understand it myself the stall speed of the converter is the is the is the engine rpm that the that the that it will slip to until it moves the vehicle so now let me back up on that a little bit so i give you a little bit more of a segue into it with most automatic transmissions so think of think of just a regular car suv car sedan pickup truck whatever if you were to get out of if you were to take the vehicle and you put it in drive it's idling and you take your foot off the brake that the vehicle will have some creep to it it'll start to move so the stall speed is the maximum engine rpm that will be achieved without moving without the vehicle moving so you will say to me well hey well, your definition is full of malarkey because you just said as soon as I put the vehicle in gear and take my foot off the brake and move, so there's no stall speed. Well, in essence, that's yes, that's partially correct because what happens is that once we get into stall speed, we have to break it down into three different categories. And if you're a drag racer, there'll be another category also. But as far as just everyday farm living, farm work, is that you're going to have three different stall speeds all right so now the first stall speed is what they what is identified and these are engineering terms this isn't hot rod stuff it's engineering terms is, is what's called the brake stall so if you were to take the take the uh, vehicle put it in gear put your foot on the brake and then slowly bring up the engine rpm so now the brake is holding it, so you're forcing the converter to slip. So the engine RPM that it, that is achieved without either the, the, the drive wheel starting to spin, doing a burnout, or pushing the vehicle through, overriding the brake, is what is called the brake stall. So in essence, you'll, so if you put one foot on the brake, and one put it in gear one foot on the gas and then slowly you don't go whack it slowly raise it raise it raise it raise it up raise up to load the rpm that will be achieved is what the brake stall of the converter so at that particular point so let's say arguably it's 2000 rpm all right and using that for easy arithmetic so if you could bring the throttle the throttle up so the engine hits 2000 rpm all right, and 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 it won't the uh, and the engine will not RPM anymore. So at that particular point, either it's a let's say it's a two wheel drive pickup truck, the rear tires are going to start to spin, 
spin against the brakes and do a burnout or the vehicle is going to start to push through but regardless you could take it to the floor and mat it at that particular point and it's not going to allow the engine to go more than 2000 rpm so that is what is called the brake stall of the converter the brake stall speed so it's important for you to to more or less know this because like i said if you have an older vehicle and you can end up having a transmission put in if something happens. You say, man, this converter, we stalled about 1,600 RPM. And now it's stalling at 1,000 RPM, which I'll get to. So anyway, so that is brake stall. So repeat it very gently. And you'd probably want to do this on pavement. If you have a gravel driveway, a dirt farm lane, you probably wouldn't want to do this because the coefficient of friction is going to be much less. Then you'll trick it into thinking that there's a lower stall speed than there actually is so that is brake stall now the next thing is what is called flash stall so flash stall flash stall f-l-a-s-h is when you hit the gas real quickly like that and that's the speed that the converter slips to until it until it it grabs internally because we have the stator in the turbine and it's a fluid it's a fluid coupling so the fluid is going one way and then there's a lot of turbulence in there and it has to lock up the other the other member of it so it becomes one unit but it's, it's one unit disconnected the segue that's connecting it is the movement of the fluid so up until that particular point the fluid is slipping so that's called that's called flash stall and if you're a drag racer a hot rod farmer then you talk a lot about flash stall all right so the thing is that now let's say make a practical application for this you have this pickup truck i don't care whether it's gas or diesel but we're going to say gas all right uh, and the only reason i'm saying gas is because it'll be a little bit more exaggerated because the diesel has more low-end torque than the gasoline engine so now you hook up this trailer it's got a cross trailer cattle trailer or a load of fertilizer whatever you're pulling a you're pulling a heavy piece of equipment to another farm all right and you you come into town and then you uh, stop at a traffic light and a stop sign and then you have to pull away and you hit the gas hit the throttle right the accelerator and, and the rpm was and then all of a sudden the truck starts to move well that in essence is the flash stall so when the when the engine is accelerated quickly what will happen is the converter will slip up until the point it grabs now if you remember what i was saying about the brake stall is the brake stall you are having a gradual increase in rpm now when you have the flash stall the rate of acceleration of the crankshaft is quick i'm not saying you're drag racing with the cattle trailer all right on it but you're hitting the throttle to get the truck to move and then the rpm so it's flashing what we would call in the industry flashing the converter so basically in essence it would be let's say like you hitting the gas on 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 a gravel road and uh and the tires spin and all of a sudden the tires grab and the vehicle moves so that is the flash stall of the converter very very important all right and then and i'll tell you why in a couple of minutes and then we have another type of stall speed that is cool and a lot of people don't talk about this and i've over the years people thought me you're crazy you know and uh but it's 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 not i'm not crazy i'm crazy yeah talking about torque converters on my road test but i'm not crazy excuse me in that respect is that it's it's called the proper name is hydraulic stall and some people call it acceleration stall 
So there's three dynamics of it. What hydraulic stall is, let's say you're going through town, you're going 25, 30 miles an hour. All right, I don't care whether it's your pickup truck, you got no load on the vehicle, you got nothing, all right, you're not pulling a trailer, you're going to town, you're going to get an oil filter, or you're going to church, and you're going whatever, 25, 30 miles an hour, and then you go to accelerate. At that particular point, the hydraulic stall should be where as soon as you hit the throttle, as soon as you hit move the throttle, transient the throttle, that the engine and the, the, the vehicle should respond. It shouldn't slip, right? So it shouldn't be, and then go. So if you're going 30 miles now and you hit the, and that, I'm not saying hit the, you, you, you hip, you, t- you tip into the throttle, is that the, that the vehicle should re- be re- responding in lockstep with the throttle with the throttle angle like a manual transmission would so if you go if you're you're going 30 miles now you're in third gear in the manual transmission you step on the gas when you step on the throttle the vehicle starts to accelerate i'm not saying it's it's pinning you in the back of the the back of the seat but it's accelerating so the hydraulic stall or the acceleration stall and i don't like the word accelerate because that's not the, the proper name it's hydraulic stall of the converter is going to allow it to be mechanically the fluid coupling is locked up is is, is connected and it's responding responding immediately so there's no inherent lag time or slack in that so those are the three types of stall speed so now we have brake we have flash and we have hydraulic stall now what's important for you to understand about this is that how is the there's a lot of different dynamics that create the stall speed. And it, and as I said, it's a very, very, I don't want to say a science, it's a, um, it's almost a discipline of engineering. And in essence, to, to oversimplify it, the, the stator and the turbine, the stator and the turbine, the design of the fins on that and the shape of the fins and how it's made is going to modify is going to impact the stall speed. So there's a lot of engineering that goes into it. Now what happens also getting back to your the failed transmission, you spend two, three thousand dollars to get it repaired, is that the converter for a transmission family. So let's say you have a uh, AOD in a Ford, you have a 700R4 in a GM, and there's all new transmission numbers, I don't even know them anymore. All right, the thing basically is, is that, that the, so if you have a, and I'm going to use a hydromatic, a 700R4, which they don't even make anymore now, it's a something else like more gears so that was a four that was a common that was a common uh transmission a chevy gmc pickup truck and the thing is that you could take that transmission and that converter and if you have a v if you bought that truck with a v6 you bought it with a 350 and you bought it with a 454 it may very well is going to use the same transmission with the same gearing the torque converter externally will look a hundred percent the same it'll bolt on to the to the flex plate it'll go on to the shaft everything is going to be a hundred percent the same but the stall speed is going to be different and the way those fins are designed 
and the flow of the, the hydraulic fluid is going to be different if you bought a, a, a Silverado with a V6 in it versus a Silverado with a 350 in it versus a Silverado with a 454, so 5.7 in modern language, then 7.4. Right, the thing is, or a 6.6 or a 6.0 now, I'm going, whatever to know. So in essence, that's the important thing that I want to drive home here, is that when most of the time when these transmission guys buy a converter from a converter rebuilder, that it, they're just looking at the out, oh, this is one for a 704, this one for AOD4, this is one for XYZ Chrysler. All right, the thing basically is the stall speed is, is this, they can't see the stall speed because that's the design of the converter internally with the fins and the with the with the turbine and the stator so what happens is that they put this converter in and this converter responds completely differently because what is going to happen is the converter response being its stall speed of brake stall flash stall and hydraulic stall is the cumulative effect of of the torque output of the engine, the weight of the vehicle, the gear ratio, rear end, the drive drivetrain gear ratio, whether it's a front wheel drive or rear wheel drive, rear end gear ratio, and the height of the tire. So what happens is that the torque converter, the fins and the dynamics of how that converter moves the fluid is designed around all of those elements. So, for instance, if you were to take a torque converter that was designed for a six-cylinder, and I'm going to use the Chevy application, Chevy GMC, so the, a V6, a 4.3 V6, and put it into a truck with a 454, 7.4 liter, right? It's going to have a lot more torque. That converter is going to respond completely differently than it would be in a v6 so what happens is that these guys with these rebuilders it's like years ago with carburetors they would take all the parts say oh it's a rochester 2g and throw them all in the bucket and have the wrong meeting rods the wrong air bleeds in it the wrong power valve in it but it all looked the same on the outside so it'd be like saying well that's corn right is it roundup ready corn is it is it bt corn does it have is a smart stack corn oh it's corn just throw it in the ground don't worry about it all right spray whatever you want on it well yeah it doesn't work that way so that is where you get into trouble and that's why i'm doing the show because specifically a lot of people spent a lot of money on transmission rebuilds and have a vehicle that that really did not work and the same thing is going to happen if you have some sort of transmission this is a piece of farm equipment all right so the torque converter slash fluid couplers but it, with, a, with a road vehicle it's really much more dramatic because there's so many different engine families so many different weight classes so many different applications with the same transmission so get back to my 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 buddy's gene right with the with the shout out today from las vegas when he bought his firebird in 89 it had a 352 import with a 700 r4 well the thing basically is, is that same transmission would have gone into a pickup truck well maybe the planetary gear ratio would have been different but from the outside you can't tell and the torque converter going into a pickup truck was going to be different than the torque converter going into a firebird but outside you cannot tell all right and that's the most important thing so now what will basically happen so let me just recap that so the design of the torque converter just like seed genetics the design of the torque converter is going to take all of this into consideration 
So when the engineers say, okay, we're going to have a torque converter for a, 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 a pickup truck, a Silverado pickup truck, this is the converter we need for the V6. This is the converter we need for the 350. This is the converter we need for the 7.4. I'll make the 7.4 anymore, so I'm dating myself and I'm using it because I'm using those numbers because that's what would, you know, if you have a 10 or 15-year-old vehicle, 20-year-old vehicle, that's what you're usually going to put a transmission all right, so so the thing is that they spend a lot of time and money designing that for that application. All right, so because it's the it's the weight of the vehicle. Now you may have, let's say, a fifteen hundred Silverado with a three fifty that's two wheel drive, and you have one with four wheel drive. They may have they may tune, and I'm not going to say in every instance, but they may tune the torque converter differently for that application because the gear ratio is different. <coughs> Excuse me, the tire height may be different, the weight of the vehicle may be different. If it's a 1500 versus a 2500 versus a 3500, all right, so half ton, three quarter ton, one ton. So, in essence, without belaboring this, is that it's very, very possible that you would get the wrong torque converter stall speed so now let's expand upon this a little bit more now what's going to happen is that the brake stall the flash stall and the hydraulic stall what's really going to affect you or what you're going to notice the most if you get the wrong torque converter is that the brake stall and the hydraulic stall is really going to become apparent the flash stall would become apparent if you use that vehicle to tow something so in essence now let's say with the brake stall let's go through those one by one is that if you have a with if the brakes now we have two terms we could say the converter is too tight or the converter is too loose and what that means in the vernacular of engines of cars vehicles design engineering hot rodders a tight converter means it has a lower stall speed and a loose converter has a higher stall speed so in essence let's say that your engine idles at 700 rpm and when the vehicle was new and it was right and everything was right you'd basically put it from from park into drive or to reverse at 700 or at 700 rpm you put it in gear and it goes in nice and smoothly and it doesn't want to pull against the brake pedal so it doesn't want to so it's pulling you feel you got to step on the brake harder because it is it wants to go away from you so if that happens after the shop changes the converter then that converter is too tight so it doesn't have enough slippage in it so it's 700 rpm it's already starting so it'd be me like riding the clutch out on my new holland track that to back up to the three-point hitch it already wants to go and pull so an indication of a brake stall that is too low on a converter is when you put in gear and she wants to tug right away and pull again and pull then pull the vehicle forward that you feel psychologically you have to step on the brake harder otherwise the vehicle is going to move or creep now conversely is that if you put it in gear and you don't feel anything that's happening so you go from park into reverse or park or into drive and you don't really feel the engine 
load it slightly not stalling but load it slightly then what's going to happen is that converter is too loose on the brake stall now historically as i said this is a cumulative effect so bringing all of these together the brake stall the flash stall and the hydraulic stall is a lot of design elements and his and most of the time when you tweak one you tweak the other all right and it it, and it becomes a real juggling act so that is going now when you have too tight a converter on a vehicle is that what's going to happen is it's not going to accelerate away from a stop smoothly excuse me it's going to feel like it wants a lug like this it's not oh it's going to be very jerky so in essence if you wanted to try now you had the pickup truck done the transmission done and you're trying to hook up the track hook up uh, something to the hitch in the back and you're backing up and you just give it a little bit of thought the vehicle moves the truck moves what the heck i well my father be cursed i mean i thought you want that so the thing is that so that would be too tight a converter now so that would be on the brake stall too tight a converter now the thing is that if you go and you say back it up the trailer and you're stepping on the gas and the vehicle is not moving it should me to back up to the gooseneck the thing is that that's too loose so what you should do is you should have linear throttle input and that's what i would say in my road test is that the converter was perfect because if i wanted to just creep back a little bit it didn't need a lot of rpm to creep back it was very it was almost mechanically linked to the throttle but it gave me enough cushion that if i stepped on the throttle a little bit i didn't go and run somebody over or hit something all right so that is brake stall and the thing is that so too high a brake stall that the vehicle it'll act like a slipping clutch away from a traffic light or a stop i should say be be unresponsive to throttle input when you're trying to hook up a trailer or push something all right and then uh too tight a converter it'll lurch as soon as you put it into gear and it'd be very hard for you to get finite control for it to go and to move to let's say hook up a hitch i like to use that as an example to hook up a hitch you know you're pushing something you say okay come on come on come on, come on. all right you're gonna get the you're gonna push push the push the push a tractor push another vehicle all right then you end up crashing <clears throat> i'm not saying crashing into a 90 miles now but you, you can't go into it easily so now so that is the, the wrong stall speed brake hydraulic stall which is very hard <laughs> let me put it this way hats off to the to the, the engineers who do these converters today because they're gorgeous hydro because they do everything right nothing wrong and the thing is that um and if you go back and listen to one of my road tests i'll talk about that the thing is that the hydraulic stall is they say you're going down the road you're at a constant speed i'm not saying 90 miles an hour you're probably 25 to 40 miles per hour and you step on the throttle all right and you step on the throttle if it does if it has too much hydraulic stall then the as i said the vehicle the rpm will go up but the vehicle will not increase in acceleration or it won't accelerate won't be responding to that and then all of a sudden it's going to you have to step on the gas more and then it's going to respond that's hydraulic stall so if it has if it's too loose the hydraulic stall it'll feel spongy you could be actually go down the road and, vroom, 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 and the vehicle isn't isn't changing in speed or you don't feel the vehicle accelerating so you got your feather so vroom, 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 going down the road 30 miles an hour and the rpm is going up and the tack is moving it has a tack but it's really the vehicle isn't accelerating anymore so that's too loose too tight of a hydraulic stall 
all right, is going to not be as much of a problem. It'll be more of a problem at lower speeds because what will happen is that the engine will act like it's lugging because it doesn't want to slip at all. So it'll act like so it'll act like a stick shift vehicle that you that you uh, too low a gear. It's not gonna go, but you'll feel it doesn't seem to be happy. So what you want is a, just a slight bit, maybe fifty or hundred RPM of hydraulic stall. That when you when you step on the throttle, the engine could get some momentum before the converter physically engages the two the fluid coupling inside physically engages, and then with the flash stall, what you the flash stall is going to be noticed when you're trying to move a very heavy load. So you're towing a trailer, you're trying to tow something, a piece of equipment with a tow strap, you're trying to, to, to uh, I could say a trailer, you're trying to push something, but usually with a, usually hooking up a trailer. So if the, high, if the flash stall is too low, then what's going to happen? You're going to go away from the stop and you're going to put that, you're going to step on the throttle and instead of the vehicle starting to move and take the load, you're going to have to step on the throttle more and it's just not going to be smooth it's not going to be linear it's not going to go it's going to be so so let me put this way so too much flash stall all right is going to is going to have the rpm really fly flare up and like a centrifugal clutch and then grab too little flash stall is you're going to for the first couple of feet it's almost going to feel like it's lugging all right so it's lugging so that is the so that is the three stall speeds and then for the hot rod farmers for the drag races is something called true stall which is on a drag race applications when you're on a trans brake which holds the transmission in first and reverse i'm not going to get into that all right to launch the car and when you so it's in first and reverse and you and you mat the throttle and then that the rpm that the converter allows it to get to on the trans brake is the fourth stall characteristics which obviously you don't have a trans brake on a on a uh, silverado pickup truck or f-350 so that's a drag race guy so i know there's drag races out there listening so that's true stall so you'll have on a drag car you'll have your brake stall you'll have your flash you're not really concerned so much with brake stall flash stall and hydraulic stall but the but the uh and then you'll have the true stall <clears throat> so in essence that's where we are at with this so very important for you to be familiar with pay attention when you if you're going if you're blessed and you're going to be buying a new vehicle a new pickup truck you're going to be using it for farm work pay attention to where the converter is i'm sure the 99 chance out of 100 will be wonderful uh, i have to do i have to honestly say the nissan that i road tested last year the titan uh, with the 5.7 v8 i did not like the converter whatsoever the converter was the worst converter in the type of application it drove fine going down the road but i'll make believe like i'm going to hook up a trailer i'm going to make believe i'm going to go on wet grass in the field i'm going to do whatever and see how it is in the converter that was not well defined in that application the ford and the chevy products i tested with oh man they were beautiful they were beautiful they did nothing wrong when you wanted to have a little bit of stall it stalled just the right amount it was yes sir that what could i give you and it knew exactly where it was very intuitive knew exactly where it was going to be and it's very important because i don't want you to spend two three thousand dollars and uh two or three thousand dollars and uh for a transmission rebuild and basically have a vehicle 
that goes forwards and goes backwards and does stuff but is not right and usually that is because not usually because the person changed the converter so as i get ready to close here what you want to do is you want to tell that you want to you you want to first before the transmission blows up have an idea of how that converter responds and then you would tell a guy so let's say the transmission just needs clutches in it tell him look i don't want a different converter right i don't want a different converter i want my old converter back and uh because nine chance out of ten they're going to buy it from a rebuilder and they're just going to buy the converter from a rebuilder and it's going to be a generic converter or if you can get the converter from the oe manufacturer ford chrysler general motors what have you but usually most people don't and you know 10 or 15 year old truck you're not going to get the converter anyway so the thing basically is is that you know it's like buying gasoline by the time you find out what it is you don't know what it's too late right you already bought it so but if you can if it's just if the clutches are just slipping and it just needs to needs the soft parts in the transmission i would just have them wash the converter out and put the converter back in and i didn't even get a chance to talk about the balance on the converter all right and it's position on the flywheel that's probably going to be another show about engine balance but very important also because if the converter is not balanced properly you can have a harmonic in that engine and a harmonic and that's not going to be good so any questions on this please feel free to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com so now what we're going to do is we're going to get ready for tex rubinowitz from ripsaw records and come on in tex and you put your thinking cap on for a toolbox test Well, that's not Tex. I pressed the wrong button. That's from my radio show. Oh, brother. Here's Tex. That's that's when I go to a commercial break. Wrong button. <laughs> well, I'm a rolling daddy with a mean machine. It's got a V8 motor. It sure is clean. I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama. Gonna get you if yeah, righty, Tex. Sorry about that, guys. I was looking at the buttons on the soundboard. I said, geez, they have a whiteboard here. And I have... And I had the wrong, the wrong, uh, the wrong sequence up. So that's the sound that I use when I go to a commercial break on the radio show. If you haven't listened to it, okay. Here's our toolbox test. You and your wife are going to some relatives for a picnic, and it is a beautiful summer day. A day like this is made for a long ride with your 1976 Camaro that is fully restored and is, and stocked down to the entire exhaust system the 350 v8 runs great but recently you noticed a sulfur-like odor from the exhaust so uh from the exhaust you think you 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 think nothing of it it is a 125 mile trip one way to the picnic your wife always likes to ride in the car barefoot so does my wife she's always barefoot after about one hour she tells you that the floor is getting extremely hot a half hour later, she says that she needs to put her shoes back on because it will be cooler. The engine temperature is fine and the car runs great. You get to the relative's place with no problems and you ask to see what they think. Farmer A says that he is not surprised. These old cars did not have much insulation and your wife is used to newer vehicles. Farmer B says, let's take a look. You both look underneath the Camaro, and that is where the catalytic converter is. He tells you that is what she was feeling. 
Farmer C agrees with Farmer B, but tells you that it is not normal. The floor should not get hot. The carburetor mixture is too rich. And Farmer D says not to worry about it and just buy her a pair of work boots. So that's those are your choices there. All right, so now we're going to get into our letter here. i got to shuffle my papers around. And this is from, from Bob Hunt, and I don't know where he is. And like I said, it's in regard to his 1969 Mercury Cyclone with a 351 four barrel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, um, Mr. Hunt, I'm going to uh, circumvent some of the things here you have in your letter. Yeah. So is this a problem? After, install, after installing new carb, car had been the car had been sitting for three years. It's a 69 Mercury Cyclone with a 351 four barrel. Over the previous three years, had tried, used, and rebuilt auto light motorcraft original equipment type carburetors with limited success. Some had vacuum issues, and engine and and the engine carb would load up and not run no matter how much throttle was applied. Then advised to try a new carburetor, and possibly gas had gone bad after three years. Gas had been treated with the usual stable and sat actually two years, but this is the third year. So he got a new carburetor a 600 cfm from jegs it's a pst carburetor blah, blah, blah. okay uh okay this car started this is the important part the car started right up and ran super so he was advised to burn the old fuel from the tank while adding new ran the car very short about five miles time then advised to drain the fuel tank of approximately 10 gallons drain the tank re-siphon fuel back to the fuel pump and restarted it Ran fine again, drove very short, two to four miles, seemed okay, with slightly noticeable load up once I jockeyed the car around the driveway. So his brother-in-law said to bring it over to his shop to adjust the carburetor and install the electric choke. All right, so here's the other important part. I drive about a mile and the car slowly dies. It does restart and runs enough to turn around in the driveway, then it stalls. Restarts and runs an eighth of a mile, will not take throttle, just runs on fast idle. Uh, it will stall, it will stall, do, does not does not restart and then runs four, five, four to six times and gets some distance with coasting. All right. Uh, is this totally a carburetor problem or did something in the ignition system fail? Carb squirts gas to engine so there is fuel. When I pour gas into the carburetor, the car tries to run with slight backfire as it runs out of fuel. I noticed that the float level of the carb had changed. At first, you could see float level through the window in the carb. In the carb. Now you can't apparently, now you can't. So apparently fuel is at the top and floats are out of adjustment. Advise could be fuel pressure problem from draining the tank over the fuel pumps. The mechanic said to change the fuel the fuel pump before figuring it out. All right, so, all right, um, Mr. Hunt, respectfully, the 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 you went all over the map with this, but I'm going to do the best I can to help you. All right, in essence, so from what I could glean from this letter is that the car sat for a number of years. He had a problem. He didn't want to run properly. He ended up buying re- different rebuilt carburetors and then having the same problem. Now, now, Mr. Hunt, you're saying that it loads up. Now, I know historically, and I'm saying all of this respectfully, that a lot of people who are not in the business use the wrong terms. So when you say that it loads up, that means it starts to run very rich, and that's usually indicative of a slow idle speed, like you say, which also is indicative of the of the the float level that you say has changed 
all right and the thing is that and usually it'll start to run slower so it'll start to chug and it'll start to blow black smoke that is loading up all right so the thing is that but then you say that it has acts like it has no gas and then there's another part of his letter with electrical problem so in essence what i would have to say if that if i were working and i don't know respectfully know the level of your involvement with this or your skill sets and i'm you know again again i'm saying this all respectfully because you're not going to fix this by throwing parts at it you have to find out what's going on is that i personally think that the car has a lot of debris and dirt in the gas tank and if it had a lot of debris and dirt in the gas tank it would give you an in, it would it would respond the same way is that you change the carburetor it would run fine for a while short distance until it got the carburetor all gum now say gummed up full of either metal or rust or or just or, or uh, bacteria growing in there or god knows what's in that gas tank so the thing is that i would say that i if i were working on this car what i would do is i would take the new carburetor apart and I would look in the float poles, all right, for residue, because you're probably going to see some debris in the float poles. And if you have debris that's coming from the gas tank, and it's now you're saying that the float level is real high. If the float level becomes high, what's going to happen is the carburetor is going to pull over, and it's the transition from the idle circuit to the main metering circuit. It's going to pull over sooner. So that would, in essence, give you the opportunity or the ability for it to start to load up because you would be pulling more fuel than uh, than the RPM and the load would require. So the lower the float level, the more throttle angle you need to pull over fuel, the higher the float level, less throttle angle. So if the float level is now higher, then that's indicative of you getting some dirt or debris under the need, in the, between the needle and the seat, and it's not shutting off. At one particular point, it's actually going to start to dribble down into the throat of the carburetor or come out the bowl vent if it gets that bad. So what I would basically do is begin by, by taking the carburetor bowls off and look inside the carburetor. I think you're going to find that there's junk in it, there's debris in it. Now, the other thing is that you don't make any mention, and I don't know whether you did or didn't, of you changing the fuel filter when you put these different carburetors on. So maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But in essence, because you've had the same scenario happen, I know you said some of the rebuilt carburetors, other issues, that's why I said that about the torque converters today, is the thing is that, but I would think that if you have this brand new carburetor that ran great for five or six miles and started to run poorly, then I would say is that you most likely have a lot of debris in that gas tank or you have water mixed in with the gas, whatever, but I'd say it's probably debris that's getting into that carburetor and it needs to be, it needs to be cleaned out. Now, the thing basically is that keep in mind that it is not a bad idea for you to change the fuel pump, all right? Not, I don't think that's the problem, but if it's been sitting for years, all right the thing is that you could have some debris in the fuel pump also but i really think that it's like a dirty well water so if the well is dirty the fuel tank is the well so i think your problem is in the fuel tank as far as that's concerned and your first place that you're going to look is inside the carburetor now the, what i would also do is 69 cyclone is not that hard to work on I would, if I found any debris inside that gas tank, I mean, in that carburetor whatsoever, even just something that's slightly funky, it doesn't take much to mess up a carburetor inside. So don't look for 
chunks the size of a boulder in there all right i would pull that gas tank down and i would look at that gas tank i would pump all the gas i would pull a gas tank down now the other thing that could be happening is that you could have i don't know what the history of the car is before this you could have fuel lines rubber fuel lines that are starting to shed internally and putting little black pieces of rubber but i i feel that the carburetor is getting polluted now the other question is that you said you had a problem with the electrical failure during the same time period that the whole electrical system drained the battery to zero that you installed a new battery started solenoid and it drained it again anyway well if something is not staying powered up there's not a lot of things that are electrical in a 69 mercury cyclone which was a beautiful car then i would say you have a bad uh, diode in the alternator and it is back feeding what i would do is i would charge up the battery fully charge it i would disconnect the field circuit not the cable that goes to charge from the back of the field circuit the small wires disconnect that from the alternator and let the vehicle sit or you could put a test light in there have it all cooked up and put a test light in there and put and you hook the test light in series between the negative cable and the negative terminal of the battery disconnect the terminal and you put the test light in series if the light lights up there's a draw and then you go around and start to plug unplug things until the draw goes away so the thing is that i would say most likely based upon what you're saying is that you have a bad diode in the alternator it's back feeding that and keeping the um, and draining the battery when it sits it has nothing to do with the running and uh, let me know what you make out please feel free to reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farmmachinerydigest.com but i really think your problem is in the gas tank or the fuel lines and i've seen this over the years the fuel lines the rubber fuel lines they start to come even if it's a, a six inch piece of hose you know that it starts to come apart inside and it starts to shed and then it puts the fuel into everything because you the car ran well and stopped running well that's it's getting polluted all right so good luck to you on that the beautiful car and once you get it running let me know and send me some pictures of it all right so now what we're going to do is we're going to get back to our toolbox test question went long today sorry farmer c knows catalytic converters when the engine is running rich the catalytic converter runs hotter and creates a sulfur-like order order for some reason the carburetor is running rich before the ride and then the long trip gave it time to superheat that is why the, the your wife the wife felt the floor getting hot it is a bell curve when the mixture skews rich the converter will increase in temperature if the mixture goes extraordinarily rich the converter becomes quenched and actually cools off so what was happening is that it's like a surfer riding the, the curl of a wave right is that where you start to overfuel a cat even today you overfuel a catalytic converter is that it's going to become superheated once you put so much fuel in it right like putting too much nitrogen on a plant and killing so much fuel you actually extinguish the catalytic converter inside and the temperature drops so what basically was happening is that the air fuel ratio going on that ride was just rich enough to superheat the converter if it was a little bit richer the converter would actually cool off and the farmer's wife would not have felt it through her bare feet so that is something to keep in mind but the telltale sign is the sulfur smell whenever you smell sulfur from the exhaust then with a catalytic converter you know that it's running too rich so hopefully 
you enjoyed today's show and you've learned a little bit more about torque converters and what you need to look for if you're ever having a transmission replaced and a torque converter because as i was starting to say is that the torque converter itself is going to define the whole characteristics and usefulness of the vehicle so you have a blessed blessed day and know the hot rod farmer is pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america thanks for tuning in bye bye